Takes is a podcast from BCA Research, informing investors with straightforward, actionable analysis of macro and market events. Hi there, and welcome to the Quick Takes podcast. I'm your host, Rakaya Ibrahim, strategist at BCA Research. It's a busy time for global central bankers. Last week, both the Bank of Canada and the Reserve Bank of Australia surprised markets by unexpectedly hiking interest rates. And earlier this week, the Fed held rates unchanged for the first time after 15 months of consecutive rate hikes, while the ECB tightened policy and signaled that more rate hikes are coming. At the time of this recording, the Bank of Japan and the Bank of England had yet to announce their policy decisions, which are due over the coming week. To help put it all together, this week I caught up with my colleague Rob Robus to discuss the global monetary policy outlook. Rob heads up BCA Research's Global Fixed Income Strategy Service. Hi, Rob. Thanks for joining me today. It's great to have you on again. It's great to be here. Thanks, Rakai. So over the past 24 hours, we've had monetary policy decisions from both the ECB and the Fed. Let's start off with the Fed before moving to the ECB. So even though the Fed kept rates unchanged, the revised dot plots show that the median FOMC participant now expects an additional 50 basis points of rate hikes by the end of the year. The 2023 core PCE inflation projection was revised up from 3.6% to 3.9%. And during the press conference, Chair Powell highlighted that the July meeting is a live one. So essentially signaling that there could be more tightening next month. In particular, he characterized risks to inflation as still being tilted to the upside and that policymakers need to see more credible evidence that inflation is coming down. So in your opinion, how likely is it that the Fed does deliver two more 25 basis point rate hikes? It's worth noting that market expectations are less hawkish than the dot plot. So in other words, do you expect market expectations to converge to the Fed's dot plot or will the Fed policy converge to market expectations? I think the more likely scenario is that the Fed will have difficulty raising rates 50 basis points as as the dots project. I thought it was interesting even in uh, the press conference that Chair Powell gave yesterday after the meeting, he was asked, you know, was a July rate hike discussed? And he said, yeah, it, it did come up. He was being kind of coy about it. But he said, you know, we're uh, no commitment to a move in July. It sounds like there's a debate internally. So it's interesting they were willing to say in their own projections, we need 50 basis points more hikes, but he, but he wasn't even willing to commit to a, a hike at the next meeting. Uh, so I think it tells you that there's still a lot of uncertainty within the Fed that on their own inflation forecast. I would say those dot plots, maybe you know, they have low conviction that maybe that have we seen in past cycles. More importantly, the actual inflation dynamics, if you look under the hood of US inflation, it's very narrowly focused right now. It is on, you know, sort of shelter, uh, used car prices, things that are in the process of slowing down. You look at actual more forward-looking, timely measures of of, of car prices. Uh, of rent, uh, housing costs, of rental costs, they've come down quite a bit. It's going to be start to show up in the uh, inflation numbers pretty quickly over the next few months. So I think that 3.9% core PC forecast for this year, there's a lot of downside risk there. So, and the Fed basically told us yesterday, you know, that it's, the inflation numbers have to start coming down faster for those 50 basis points of likes not to be realized. I think there's a good chance of that happening, that inflation will surprise them to the downside possibly fairly quickly. If you look at you know, sort of so-called super core inflation, stripping out those shelter components and the uh, car components, it's running about 2% three-month annualized basis. Inflation is pretty low right now in the U.S. Outside these three sectors, 
they're most likely to come down. So I think that the Fed won't need to go 50 basis points because the inflation data won't justify it. If we turn to what's been happening in financial markets, over the past few weeks, we've seen yield curves flatten across DM bond markets, so a deepening inversion of the yield curves. These moves suggest that bond markets are sending a warning that central banks are increasingly at risk of steering their economies into recession. Now, if we take the case of the Eurozone in particular, the revised Q1 GDP data that we got last week shows that the Euro area economy contracted in the past two quarters. So that meets the technical definition of recession. However, during the ECB's press conference, President Christine Lagarde, she repeatedly emphasized the point that unit labor costs are a risk to the inflation outlook which warrants further tightening. She signaled that another rate hike in July is likely and possibly again in September. So what do you believe is the greater risk for the euro area economy at this point? Inflation, as the ECB is highlighting, or growth risk? And on this front, do you think that the ECB will be forced to make a swift policy pivot from tightening to loosening over the coming quarters? Yeah, certainly looking at the the hawkish tone we got from the ECB today, which, you know, I don't need the rate hike, but promising to do more. And as you point out, you know, discussing the upside risk inflation from the labor market, it is at, at odds with the, the economic data. Not just, as you pointed out, there was a recession in Q4 of last year, Q1 of, Q1 of this year. But looking at some more timely measures, you know, manufacturing PMIs are really falling uh, hard. You know, confidence measures are still fairly weak in, uh, in Europe. Uh, it doesn't lend itself to an environment where you see each be having to, to sound more hawkish, to cool off an overheating economy. So I think the growth risks are more dominant. And also the reason I say that is if you look at how much energy prices have fallen already. A lot of the European inflation cycle over the last 18 to 24 months has been just due to what happened with energy inflation last year. The war-driven increases in, in natural gas prices coming on top of when there was an increase in oil prices and gas prices globally. And energy price inflation, you know, the CPI measures got to like plus 40% or so. Those are down to like 1% or not zero. If you look in the, peak, the producer price index, energy price inflation is up to well, minus 9% year over year. That kind of slowdown from sort of a peak last year of producer price inflation, and you use that 40% down to one, that kind of lends itself to the environment that we can see European inflation fall quite fast. It already has in the last two months. You see a pretty big decline in inflation toward the peak of like plus 7%, you know, down to sort of a 6% number right now. And on its way down, I think, to 4 or 3%. We may be seeing something sub 3% at the end of the year. And if that's the case, if the ECB does follow through on these final rate hikes, you know, one in July that they promised us and guaranteed uh, to, today, and maybe another one in September once they come back with their summer break, I think that'll be it. Because by then, the inflation data will have a few more inflation prints that will look softer. In September, they'll have an, another set of economic forecasts that probably show a more favorable downtrend to inflation. And rates are going to be at more restrictive levels. I mean, you're talking a deposit rate of 3.5%. Now, I get that at 4%, we think neutral 1% to 2%. So I think it's very restrictive policy, and that's what the inverted German curve is telling you. And the response today is interesting, that shorter-term bond yields went up because of what happened with rate hike and hawkishness. Long-term bond yields in Europe did not, like the, the German yield curve. So I think I, this is the kind of dynamic we're seeing globally, which is that central banks are now going a little too far into very restrictive territory. That's going to impact growth. That means long-term interest rate expectations are going to be softer. It's actually a positive for the bond market, for at least a longer maturity parts of bond markets in the developed world, even in Europe. And moving to other global central banks, last week was also interesting because we got monetary policy decisions from both the Bank of Canada as well as the Reserve Bank of Australia, and both of them delivered hawkish surprises by unexpectedly hiking interest rates. 
they both highlighted that inflation is a key driver of that decision to tighten. Now, given that both the RBA and the BOC are generally perceived as being more constrained than their peers when it comes to their ability to tighten policy, do you think that the latest rate hikes suggest that there's scope for other global central banks to deliver hawkish surprises going forward? Or is it really an idiosyncratic story when it comes to Australia and Canada? Yeah, for those two countries, what is always important from policymakers perspective is happening with the housing market, both from because the economic impact and also on growth from housing and also just the inflation impact of house prices. In terms of housing valuations, Canada, Australia is two of the most overvalued housing markets in the world, like it's sort of like measures of price versus income, et cetera. As we've seen in recent data points, especially in Canada over the last couple of months, we've seen a pickup in housing demand, house price inflation picking up. Even Australia, we've seen that. And also both central banks highlighted as now a new risk there to the inflation falling back down to their trend. So maybe something a little more unique about those two central banks, because they're so worried about the housing market, that forced them to restart the rate hikes. But at the same time, you look at where rates are. In Australia, you have a policy rate of 4.1% inflation, headline inflation of 7. So very negative, real interest rates. In Canada, after this last hike, this is the first time this entire tightening cycle that the Bank of Canada has a policy rate above inflation. It's about 475 versus 4.4. Look at that as your measure of, of the tightness of policy, just the actual rates versus inflation. RBA and BOC were behind the curve, and RBA even increasingly so, by more than in Canada, let's say. And other countries were seeing this too, right? In the UK, policy rates of four and a half, and inflation still about 8.7. So this is why you've seen the, the gilt market have to uh, price in higher yields and the possibility that the Bank of England has to start raising rates even faster than they would like. The gap's still too far between interest rates and actual inflation. So the RBA and BOC decisions due to what's happening with the housing markets there and also the starting point of where yields were before these recent moves. Their bond markets, Canada, Australia, are a little more riskier now than they were for sort of the first half of the year, even the latter half last year, because now that the housing data, sort of fundamental data, is leaning more towards a need for higher interest rates. Well, Rob, thanks a lot for joining me today. It's always great to chat with you. Great. Thank you, Rakai. Have a great day. You too. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Quick Takes podcast. We'll be bringing you weekly quick takes with BCA strategists on a range of macro and market topics. Stay tuned for next week's episode.